Today on the Pro-Life Podcast, did a doctor give a couple the wrong baby again? And we have another topic. It's going to be a little heavy. The young ones might not be need to be around for watching this one. But the bodies of aborted children found in D.C. We need to talk about this. Let's get started. Well, happy Tuesday, my dudes. Yes, I said it. Ellie, you owe me a donation. Ten bucks. You too can get me to say things. Happy Tuesday, my dudes, or your thing. Sponsor our show. We'll say the things. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, so, <laughs> I know. We're starting off a little silly. Things are thrown off today. Emily is not here. Sad. She is out and about. but Saving the world. Doing important <laughs> things. Yeah. But I am joined by my favorite people again. Kim and Veronica are still here with me. So this article, you guys brought it up in the chat the other day. And I was like, seriously, this headline, couple says fertility doc mixed up embryos again. Yeah, it's rough. Again. Now, this just seems to be the, the pile gets a little deeper of weird... IVF things. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about IVF today, which is a really confusing topic for pro-lifers and even people who don't have a stance on the abortion issue. So we're going to talk a lot about it. And this poor couple. Right? Right. right. Well, we did the training the other day and and Sammy came in. We do all staff trainings here every so often. And Sammy came in and did a talk about this and brought up all these ethical issues and was like, yeah, this is a complicated mess we've made for ourselves. Yeah, so it's this like a Pandora's this, box. <laughs> kind of. So this particular instance is a Manhattan fertility specialist had previously mixed up embryos, does it again. Now this poor family, they go to the fertility doctor and um, they do IVF. And then a while into this pregnancy, they discover that uh, they were doing this uh, prenatal screening and they discovered that the DNA of the baby was different than that of the parents. And nobody could explain this for a while. Then they did tests and tests and tests and realized like, oh, we accidentally implanted somebody else's baby. And so now this couple is freaked out. They're carrying, they've loved this baby during the pregnancy. Yeah, they said they were bonding with the baby. The baby was already kicking yeah. And they were terrified that once they find out who the biological parents actually are, that those parents would sue the surrogate mothers uh, and At father. At this point, yeah, it would be surrogate. And, yeah, the surrogate, the, the mother who wanted to have a baby. And they would win custody over their child because that's happened before. That happened 20 years ago under the same doctor, by the way. The same doctor. Uh, and so they— You know, fool they, me once. True. But come on, twice now? What's like that's a shame on me. Yeah, like, it's like how we do should, they label why is this guy these still things, doing this? Right. Like you look up like you've gotta look up this guy's name. Like Google is a thing. Right. Like, Dr. Obajasu, I believe, I, in New York. I'm not New gonna York try and fertility pronounce it. clinic. So yeah. Stay let's, away. Let's frame with allegedly right. this is what happened. Yeah, because they I do know, deny it still. They deny that this happened. The doctor is denying the doctor that it's denies his fault. it, but the couple says this is what happened. And so we're talking about a kid, you got old enough to do 
genetic testing. How far in is that? Because it's been um, a while. It depends on the different things they're looking for, but usually like fetal anomalies that's usually around 20 weeks so you can half, test about halfway through yeah yeah, yeah. so and we're usually talking you halfway can feel the baby maybe kicking. a little farther yeah like by 18 weeks you can usually feel the baby moving and really that's when mothers usually tell people that they start to right. feel really bonded with their child mm -hmm. <sighs> so then they bonded with this child but like you said the parents the essentially surrogate parents at this point are afraid that the biological parents are going to sue for custody and all this stuff. So they actually aborted this child. Yeah, who they loved. Yes, for this whole, whole mess. And so it just opens Pandora's box of all of these ethical yeah. issues. Now, IVF from a specifically pro-life standpoint can have different opinions. Some people say, well, uh, if you know, you're implanting all of the embryos and doing everything that you can to preserve all of the lives that are created, then there aren't any ethical issues. Another side of the pro-life movement can say, well, you know, you're violating the sanctity of marriage and that there's some ethical issues with that. But IVF, when you destroy the embryos that are created, that that is inherently immoral and anti-life. And so yeah. that's the foundational problem uh, that you often see with IVF, although not always. Yeah, uh, and one of the things I like to tell people whenever we start talking about IVF is uh, we have to remember that any human being that is created is made in the image and likeness of God. There, we're, There is no uh, condemnation of the human being involved here. They are all people just like us, worthy of dignity, worthy of value. They are inherently dignified and valuable. Um, and so every now and then I'll, I'll I, IVF is so incredibly common nowadays that I st I've started to meet kids who are like, yeah, I'm a test tube baby. And what do you have to say about that? And I'm like, I'm so glad you're here. That's all right? I got to say about that. And it's glad nice you made the to cut. meet you. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's nice to meet you. And I, I don't condemn anything about your existence, but I do have a lot of ethical concerns right. with the way it happened. And I want to be honest about it and not ever make them feel ashamed of being here mm -hmm. or or ashamed of their parents who who might have also not known like so many right. parents are encouraged to do IVF if they have fertility problems and they don't know what's going on in the lab they just are hoping to have a baby can you and tell us yeah, what yeah. does how does this all work i don't think yeah, we said for the folks any, at home yeah. and like in maybe certain supreme court justices watching who are not <laughs> biologists <laughs> like kim and i should we just uh, ask the other supreme court justices yes. who are biologists well veronica actually is a biologist well, though so <laughs> Maybe we can appoint you to the Supreme Court. Oh, no. Yes! I'm no, down. That'd be no. awesome. You heard it here first. I mean, I have a biology degree and I love bioethics, so at least I can confidently, perhaps amateurly, describe all of this stuff. And I read about it a lot, too. I've been reading about this for like 12 years, so I do, I do know some things. So, um, yeah, there's a list and... Um, I, I, there's there's kind of two like major problems. If we only had a couple minutes, I would just tell right. people like my elevator speech is uh, the fact that um, they're the way the main IVF methods are to create life in a petri dish 
And that in and of itself can bode ethical <laughs> dilemmas. And then there's the other uh, aspect of what to do with leftover embryos. But there's so much more. So since so, we do have a few minutes, let's, I want to well, go through start, a let's, let's start back at the beginning. Here, yeah, I kind of want to go through a timeline. Let's, foundation of what IVF is and what yeah. we're doing here. It's not a... We went to the fertility clinic, and then we went home and did the... Poof, you you're pregnant. Do <laughs> Magical pixie dust. <laughs> right, and pregnancy Yeah, happens. so it's it's really complicated. And first of all, and you have to remember that any couple who's doing IVF is has probably been trying to get pregnant for right. a really long time, and usually they call... Um, the inability to get pregnant unexplained infertility until you go see a, a a doctor who's actually trying to correct the issue usually they just offer IVF as a bypass it's an alternative to correcting the fertility issue it's just bypassing fertility altogether and so what they do um if you start at the very beginning they they don't actually ask you know any health background questions to try to figure out why the couple is having for infertility, whether it's male or female infertility, they don't actually ask any of those questions. What they do is they set you up for um, ovarian uh, treatment to overproduce eggs. So the woman, normally in a woman would only produce one egg at a time. Right. Mm -hmm. So they do this uh, hormonal stimulation of the ovaries so that she produces many eggs at one time. And this is... Um, ironically damaging to fertility. So let's say theoretically she didn't have any um, or very minimal fertility issues before. Let's say it was more of a male fertility issue. Right. And now this can actually cause sterilization oh, and it's dear. really, really bad hormonally. It can really mess up um, all kinds of things in a woman's body. And um, there's all kinds of health fallout issues that can happen. Like it increases risk of ovarian cancer and all kinds of like really scary things. So there's that. And, and it's also very painful. Ovarian mm -hmm. stimulation um, is very, very painful for a woman. We're not supposed to be able to produce more than one or two eggs at a time. Right. So imagine producing like a dozen, like your whole abdomen is going to be extremely swollen. And um, it's very painful. And so then they harvest the eggs, which is also painful. You have to go to the lab and harvest them, surgically remove but these eggs. We like to make this option one. Yeah, it's pretty commonly touted as like the best way to get pregnant Yikes. if they have unexplained fertility. Like this sounds is just like the best way to do it. I know it's crazy. So they here. harvest the eggs, and then um, okay, we're sticking to the timeline, guys. So what's next? How do you get the sperm? Right. Uh, okay. That's morally questionable, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. a lot of people have a really big issue with it. And mm -hmm. I don't blame them. I mean, this is outside of the context of marriage, and it's just uh, that's that's it's it it's like there's this sense of shame that, you know, the only way I can get pregnant is to do something wrong mm -hmm. in order to get, in order to have a child. And so a lot of couples after the fact will say like, they have a hard time bonding with their, their child that they created out of, in, out of IVF because they remember how they had to acquire this mm -hmm. egg and the sperm. And it's just strange. Like you feel disconnected from your child. I'm not saying that's true of everybody, but I've heard some testimonies about that. And I would imagine that would be really difficult. It's like, how do you look into your child's eyes and remember like, oh yeah, all this is really complicated. Yeah. yeah. And that we're not in the context of a good, happy, um, holy scenario. And so that's really complicated. And then next on the timeline, they have to go to, um, the, the, you know, they bring their egg and sperm to the lab and then the the fertility specialists will fertilize 
uh, the egg and the sperm into in petri dishes. And so then hopefully what they're aiming for is like a dozen, a dozen brand new little tiny human a dozen. beings. Yeah. Why do they mm-hmm. have to create so many? To um, get the best odds of survival because not all of them are going to make it. And then some of them also are going to have a genetic anomaly. And so they grade them. They do DNA testing on these embryos and they grade them A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. And the A ones are the ones that are going to get implanted. And then the Bs and the Cs are, are frozen and left over. The Ds are discarded. And so automatically off the bat, you have a a, a caste system in a lab. You have a certain percentage of discarded children. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and we're already assigning a value to a human being that has no say in the matter. So they're making genetic gradings. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Can't imagine a group of people that have done that before. Well, right. I mean, people accuse us of being like crazy conspiracy theorists sometimes when we talk about this. And it's like, no, actually, history has a track record of grading human beings on a value system and discarding ones with characteristics that they didn't like. And people also remember the movie Gattaca. I love mm-hmm. that movie mm-hmm. <laughs> where mm-hmm. you get to like choose your de- designer baby. And yeah, it's been a long time since I've watched it. <laughs> I love but that yeah, movie, but yeah. it, it's actually really, really um, good at prophesying the things that are actually happening today. Like you can literally pick gender in your for your child now with the IVF process like that used to be a pipe dream a few years ago right. it's successful now you can choose like well I want a boy and next I'm gonna have a girl and you can try to choose other uh, biological characteristics now like that you can pay extra to have that done it's real it's extremely common Ugh. it really it first started kicking off in Australia a few years ago um, now it's kind of happening everywhere, and no one's really talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we're paying we're paying bonus for the upgrades. Yes. We're, we're oh my like, god! When you I say mean, that's away, it's really yeah. it's like oh, I want dual air conditioning and power windows right. and stuff. Like so, let's just throw down a little more money. Yeah, right. and I'm sure parents terrible. who are just longing for a child. They're, right. they're probably not aware of all of this going on in the background. So we can't condemn them. And often they're just completely being lied to or just simply people are omitting to tell them I, what's going probably on. Probably that. Yeah. It's probably this is a like several just... billion dollar industry here. Right. And like they, the people who are involved in making this industry happen have no problem with all of the ethical dilemmas mm-hmm. that you have where it's like we have millions and millions of frozen children that uh, are just waiting or discarded or like burned for electricity. Like we're going to talk about a case from Washington, D.C. like that. Discarded children, yes. And we'll talk about that case, which is insane in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. But you have this billion dollar industry that is made on the destruction of life. Now, like we said earlier with IVF, it's not inherent that every single embryo is going to be discarded, but it's so, so common. Yeah. And yeah. then you have this ethical dilemma of like, okay, well, what do we do with the children who are frozen Yeah. Now? Well, if we're going to stick to the timeline, there's more. Yeah. Yep. So what happens after you grade ABCD? Um, in plant A, uh, sometimes, depending on the doctor, depending on the couple, they might want to implant more than one to increase odds of survival because sometimes it doesn't take 
Sometimes right. the baby does not successfully implant. Especially um, if the if the mm -hmm. woman is having fertility problems that the her womb might be kind of a hostile environment like already. And there may be that, some hormonal complications that are going on anyway that are causing problems. Yeah, and also just, I mean, just the unnatural aspect mm -hmm. of creating life in a lab and then transferring it and trying to survive all of those changes i mean that's going to be that's going to be very difficult right. um and so there's actually about a 30 percent success rate um which is 30. yeah yeah and i remember actually so, when i was uh, okay a kid, go let's ahead. let's back up to the beginning here option a oh dear has all of these ethical problems we haven't asked what the root of the issue is we just jumped to this and the success rate is 30 percent yeah. Some somebody's going home with a big stack. Oh yeah, of cash. it's to like ten to thirty thousand dollars a pop. It's a lot. So now you know why it's option A. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's a lot, and I'm there's fertility clinics the everywhere. Here. So so they um, now some parents and some doctors will want to implant. Yeah, more than one, and then what happens if they all take? That's what happened with Octomom. Right. Yeah. 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 And everybody remembers that case, and they were like, a lot of people urged her to have what they call selective reduction, which is just code for abortion. They were like, you need to selectively reduce some of these embryos because it will be dangerous for them all to, to be growing in one womb. And well, I mean, they're right. It is dangerous. A bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. It is dangerous to have that many pregnancy or that many children in one pregnancy. It's dangerous for the mom, dangerous for the baby. It was miraculous that all eight of her children survived. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, she was very brave to, to say, to reject selective reduction. But at the same time, she chose to have eight implanted. And that I, I, I always wonder why she did that. Like what, that was a dangerous move, you know, yeah. I, I wish she had been more careful and I'm just so glad those babies are okay, you know, but right. um, most of the people, most time people are not going to plant that many, like maybe one to three at a time. But then, yeah, what if they're like, I really only want to be pregnant with one. I didn't expect all three to implant successfully. So they're offered selective reduction. A lot of people are also simply lie to about what that is. They don't mm. they don't use the word abortion. Of course not. And so and they're not thinking of the parents are not thinking I'm being offered a chance to kill a couple of my children so that I can have another one. After they're all they're not so thinking after all about this pain that. and agony. Yeah. And hardship and frustration and trying to get a child and now you've got more than you wanted. Yeah. I guess. So so and the doctors use the, 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 the this is okay. big fertility money. Like these physicians are using, or there are a lot of them are just lab techs too. They're using very strategic language to say like, you've had really successful procedures. It turns out there's more than we need. I would like, if you're comfortable to go in and make this a more uh, friendly, less hostile environment for your baby so it can survive more. How about we do selective reduction next Tuesday? And so there's like, this is, this sounds great, right? I have no right. idea. Oh, this is like, gonna help my yeah, no matter. Oh, cool. Okay, you know, there, and uh, most people, unless they go Google selective reduction and really right. start reading more about it, they're, they're like, I'm just, I'm following my doctor's advice. And then the grief to find that out later of yeah. like what you've right. actually done, you can't undo that. Right. No. Nope. Yeah, it's really tragic. I um, I have a few people in my circles who um, were born out of IVF and 
Um, I mean, they're just amazing people. And so I always just want to be really, really careful that we're not making them feel ashamed for of being course. here. It's just like, we these doctors need to stop lying to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's more. There is a lot more, but I think we're running okay. tight on time for the topic. <laughs> if I you feel want like... more, uh, book us to come speak. Yes. We can come speak at your church or your school or you name it. There's a lot of people at, on Texas Right to Life staff who come and speak about the ethics of this. And yeah, it's awesome. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We have some important information, upcoming events and things to do. So, Nathan, drop that information. Texas Right to Life is facing 14 lawsuits from Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. They're suing us because we helped pass the Texas Heartbeat Act. And they're trying to scare us pro-lifers into backing down. Please join us in the fight against Planned Parenthood and donate to protect the Texas Heartbeat Act. You can fight for the unborn and build a pro-life Texas that values every human life. Go to texasrighttolife.com lawsuit to make your contribution. Every cent will help and it's greatly appreciated. Texas led the charge for a historic year in the pro-life movement. Now is the time to celebrate. Join us April 23rd for the annual San Antonio Celebration of Life. You'll have a blast meeting other pro-life advocates, hearing success stories from college students on the front lines, and getting an exclusive inside look at the next steps of the pro-life movement. Go to texasrighttolife.com events to get your tickets. We can't wait to see you April 23rd in San Antonio. Welcome back, Nathan. Thank you. Nathan, Nathan's our editor, so I, I will pick on Nathan a little bit. He does our production. He's sitting over, over, over there uh, running some things in the background. So, okay, um, this story, this one's heavy. Uh, we're going to link in the description. We're not going to put any pictures in here. Um, warning graphic content. So the bodies of brutally aborted, well, not that any abortion is not brutal, mm-hmm. yeah. but these, the pictures are graphic. Yeah, full-term so children. So if you dis- discovered in D.C. So be careful. Yeah, young listeners, check the timestamp in the description. You can jump ahead um, or don't click the link. Okay, it's disturbing. Absolutely. The pro-life group, the progressive anti-abortion uprising was, um, you know, doing their ministry out in Washington, D.C. They encounter the like medical waste, quote unquote, truck drivers coming to the clinic to pick up the so-called medical waste. In this process, they discovered in talking to the vehicle driver that these children, the aborted children from this clinic were going to be burned and used for electricity in Baltimore, which is absolutely... I did not know that was a thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's really... I like I not much shocks me anymore because I've been charge working. my phone anymore. Yeah, I've been care. working in the pro life movement for ten years professionally now, and three years as a student before that, and this shocked me. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What? They're, that is so dystopian." Mm-hmm. It's just how can we use the human person as much as we possibly can? This is like straight up from the Matrix. Yes. Yes. Silent so, green is people, okay? Come on. Like, what the heck? Right. So, for power. Yes. But the media does not see anything wrong with that. That's not the story. The story is how the activists got the uh, right. fetal 
bodies. So they're jumping all over these activists saying like, oh my gosh, like you people are crazy. I mean, that aside, they're completely letting the abortionists have a free pass. These corpses, if you look at the bodies of these aborted children. And careful if you term. do. Careful if you do. This, it's, it's nightmare fuel. Yeah, but I would these honestly, are, I would not recommend that anyone open the article, which is weird because I, it's I on want our website. you to be informed. But now, like, now everybody's going to be super curious and they're going to go click it. But No, I mean, it's just, it's just images ready. that stay burned in your head forever. I mean, these are literally full, for full-term children. Yeah. yeah. One of yeah. the pediatricians that examined the remains said held the corpse held the body of this baby and said this one belongs in a nursery like this child is so developed you can see his little eyes his fingers and everything like he should have been born and loved by his family and instead you know his body is sitting in a box these children were bigger i've had two preemie babies and one was five and one was six pounds and then i had one full-term baby who was eight and these babies were bigger than all of mine. Oh, my gosh. Like, like one of those babies looked like it could have been nine pounds. Yeah, my, my girls were a little, couple weeks early, and they were on the smaller side. They were in the six, low seven range. And these kids are as yeah. big as Yeah, one of them was definitely mine. bigger than One mine. of them for sure, yeah. It's, I was, it's so sad. Just pray for these little souls. Mm-hmm. And the people who did this to them. You have to wonder and consider, like, how are these late-term abortions being performed? There's the um, partial birth abortion, which is illegal, but one of the baby's bodies looks like that they Mm -hmm. could have been a victim of a partial birth abortion where um, the abortionist will take a sharp object like scissors and deliver everything of the baby except for her head and then... Stab the back of her head and yeah, you sever know, the spinal cord. Yeah, so that they can say the baby was not born alive. Right, which is just disgusting. Right. So the people who are actually investigating this, not the media, of course, and not even the DC authorities, are saying they don't really want to investigate this. They think, no worries, like these children were legally aborted, so it's perfectly fine. But you look at these photos and you see just how barbaric the abortion is. Like it's not okay, and there's possibility that they aborted, that they violated the partial birth abortion mm-hmm. ban which is a national law. It doesn't matter what Washington, D.C.'s policies are there. Like, this is a national law. And also, like, that some of these children could have been born alive and then later killed. So there are uh, calls to Congress right now to investigate this tragedy that this could have been an actual, like, case of murder of of actually born children uh, being murdered. So keep your eye on how this story developed. We're hoping that there will be some action in Congress to actually make sure that this is getting investigated and that these children get justice. Um, So that's where the story is going, but it's just so, so uh, convoluted that the media is trying to cover it up. They're trying to point the finger at the people who exposed this crime instead of the people who committed the crime. And then the DC authorities trying to brush it under the rug too, that there's this huge just cover up scheme. So that way they can protect abortion, that they can protect abortion at any cost, including the lives of these five children and millions others every single year. Yeah. It reminds me so much of that case out of 
Pennsylvania just a few years ago. What was that abortionist name? I'm Kermit Gosnell. Kermit Gosnell. Yeah. There's a really great documentary about him and a movie, actually, a, a documentary that is separate from the drama mm-hmm. uh, movie. And they're both really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm guessing the media just, like, doesn't want another Kermit Gosnell. Because do you remember that? Yeah. When the media refused to cover, they just, like, played dumb. La, la, la. We don't want to talk about this. Right. But then pro-lifers kept pushing and pushing. We actually got a trending hashtag going, yeah. calling them out until finally some reporters were, like, intellectually honest enough to say, well, maybe we should at least just go to the trial and mm-hmm. listen in. And and then it became a national sensation. And, right. and then everybody was split over, okay, well, that guy is just a creepy extremist. Yeah, he keeps baby parts and jars in his office, but that's not what abortion really looks like. And then pro-lifers were saying, it's all bad. It's all murder. It's mm-hmm. all murder. And here we yeah. have another case. It's coming out again. And the media is probably like, well, well, I don't want to talk about this right now. Mm-hmm. And on the heels of Roe v. Wade about to be overturned, mm-hmm. hopefully, maybe this will be a good wake-up call for the nation. And and maybe they'll be more culturally ready to accept the overturn of Roe v. Wade, too, to be reminded, this is murder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got to pray. Picture, yeah. to if it wasn't turning blue-gray, that kid, I mean— it, it's a freshly born mm-hmm. child. Like, no. yep. I know um, some of my pro-choice people in my life would 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 rightly say, "Well, this is wrong. I'm not saying anyone should be doing this, but I'm still pro-choice." So, I don't know. Right. <laughs> what would you say to that? I have my own answer as well. I mean, you respond to that. Kim? I think that's how. <laughs> You see the effectiveness of the pro-life legislation that we've passed up until right now that you have things like the partial birth abortion ban, the dismemberment abortion ban. Why do those names sound as graphic as they are? It's because they reflect how graphic abortion is. And we've found that if you show people these very horrendous abortions and every abortion is horrendous but if you see like people who do not think that they're pro-life they'll see that they'll see how a child in the second trimester is dismembered while being alive and sometimes can feel pain they'll see these gruesome partial birth abortions where like i said earlier the baby is completely delivered except for the head and then killed that once they see how barbaric and inhumane that is, they not only oppose those abortions, but hopefully all abortions, because there is no difference biologically, morally, um, in the DNA, the human person that is created. The only difference is the size of the baby. Yes. One one is just a little smaller than the other. Mm -hmm. And there, there shouldn't be a moral difference at all, but for some reason people still justify it. Right. So you see like, okay, well, this baby was born um, at, let's say, 40 weeks. Okay, what about the day before that? Is that abortion okay? No, probably not. Okay, well, I think that abortion is okay at 20 weeks. Okay, well, what about the day before that? And so you can keep going until you Mm -hmm. find like there is no moral difference anymore between the child who is full term and the child who has just been conceived. Yeah. Yep. Amen. We got to pray. <laughs> uh, Holy Week is this week. We've got uh, Easter coming on Sunday and Good Friday, of course, coming up on Friday. So 
It's an important time to pray and to reflect on Christ's sacrifice for us, how, you know, nobody's too late for conversion, something that is really prominent in the passion of Christ, I think, is what's the difference, like thinking about what is the difference between Judas and Peter? Both of them betrayed Christ and all of us betray Christ. But the difference between Judas's outcome and Peter's outcome is that Peter repented. Peter sought the Lord and trusted in his mercy and was forgiven and ended up becoming a martyr for Christianity and Judas did not. So any of these um, just tragic stories that we've talked about today, none of them are beyond Christ's mercy. And so it's not too late for anybody. As I always say, God has done a lot more with a lot less. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've said to friends who are like, oh, you know, my story, it's too messy or whatever. I'm like, if God can knock a terrorist bounty hunter off his horse and have him write two thirds of the New Testament, Paul, you'll yes, Paul, for, just in case, in, in case you if didn't follow, um, like you'll be okay. Yeah. We we can work this out. God God's big enough to work this out. That's um, amazing. So true. Yeah. So Paul was a murderer, and then he became one of the most vocal evangelists out there. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Never too late. So. Easter plans, guys. We, yeah, yeah. We're gonna pray. Yeah. We're gonna pray. Church. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know Jesus, call one eight hundred Texas Drive to Life. No, just kidding. That's not a real. But no, number. really. It's not a real number. I know. I'm just being ridiculous. But no. But it's so important. We can't separate the pro life mission from the mission of Christ. Like this is they are one and the same. And um, uh, we pray every day in our office for all of our supporters and we have a pregnant moms list and, and people always call in and, um, tell us their stories. There's so many times people say, I've literally never told anyone before, Mm -hmm. but I want to tell you guys, it's like, that's quite a burden, but it's a beautiful burden. So Mm -hmm. if you want to call and Adrian story. would love to talk to you. Adrian, she would. She, she's, she's so actually, good at she answering the phone. She's she's at the desk next to my office and answers the phone right now, and so I can sometimes hear some of these stories, and I'll peek around the corner like, "What?" She's is just going sitting there on? counseling and away. She, I'm like, "You is. go, girl." She's yeah. she is one of the coolest people. Maybe we'll get her in here. I want. To talk. I would love her to she come and tell her stories. Story. Yeah. yeah, she so, does. If you've got a prayer request. We will lift you up in prayer every single day in our office. Call um, call us, leave a comment, uh, send us an email, whatever it is. Beeper, I don't know. Whatever Beeper. you do. <laughs> like, that was my people a long time. Like, we, I don't Beeper? know. You're I'm not old kidding. enough to even have had send one. Us of those. Okay, <laughs> send us a tweet. Okay, send us a tweet. That's better. <laughs> That's that modern day Beeper. So, uh, if you have a prayer request, let us know. We'll lift you up in prayer. Other than that, have a great Holy Week. And I guess uh, we will catch you next Tuesday. Awesome.